bow our heads and if you feel that way and you want to let him know that, that he is all that you need. Heavenly Father, there's hands that are raised all over the building. Lord, we feel like it was that day on the mount when there was Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And when a voice came down, we saw no man save Jesus. Lord, we believe we're coming to that hour again where it'll be Christ in our midst. It'll be Christ in his body. Lord, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up, Father. Lord, we're here tonight to draw from you. You're the great one in our midst, Lord. Father, we want to give you the preeminence. We want to give you first place. And Lord, while we're here tonight, we're inviting you. You know our needs tonight. Father, our lives, there's many little areas. But Lord, we remember there was an ark one time. It was built with wood representing humanity, but it was full of holes. Lord, the only way it floated was because the pitch of the Holy Ghost came into it, Lord. May you come and fill our empty places, fill our voids. Lord, we need you, Father. You're the one that helps us, Father. We ask you to minister to us tonight. Take this service in your hands. We commit ourselves to you and all that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. God bless you. Just want to say again, thank you to Brother Andrew, Brother Moses. I, I appreciate them. And I appreciate all the others that stand here at their post. And, and I, I just appreciate that we can be part of a body. And, uh, and I know the Lord appreciates it. So turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Many times we start the reading in verse 23 or 24, I believe it is. But today we're going to start it in... Verse 25, if you actually look at it, they're all connected together. Verses 23 to 26, 23 and 24 have great promises, but 25 is essential. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. If I can just inject right away here, we come many times and we know we need to repent, and we do want to repent. We do, when we're convicted of our sins, bring them before the Lord and repent. But the Bible also says also to forgive. So don't stand, don't let our prayers be holding something and having a grudge and having some kind of a feeling. And Friends, sometimes those things can be buried really deep. But the Bible says, if you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. For what purpose? That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll invite you also. To turn to Luke chapter 17. Again, Luke chapter 17 is a very 
prominent book in the Bible. If you go to the latter verses, it really is a prophecy of our time. But there's other verses in the, chap the book of Luke, so we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. Then said he to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. For it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Amen. Amen. God bless his word. Uh, from the reading of the scripture, it's maybe not what you expected. You don't know how it's going to go yet, though. <laughs> so how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? I am, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a blessing. I want to speak tonight on forgiveness, then deliverance. And I'm going to just use these scriptures. I want to be very brief with my comments because I just want to turn the service in a little different direction. But Brother Branham would say, faith, if you take Mark chapter 11, faith is based on forgiveness. You can't have faith if you've got ought in your heart. If you won't forgive somebody, you, you can't truly believe that God will hear your prayer. And, that, and it's essential. It's, it's necessary for us to be of the mindset to have a forgiving heart. Now, we've been spending some time talking about the old covenant and the, the, the new covenant. We've been talking about how under the law... It's been an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But under grace, it's a new covenant. And Jesus would often say, you have heard, and speaking of the law, but I say unto you. In other words, there was going to be a magnification of the law. Now, John was the dispensational messenger turning the people, turning their hearts, turning their hearts and, and, and fulfilling a part of Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, he fulfilled a part of it. The other part is now. So there had to be a preparation made to change the hearts. Now, we, we recognize that, and, and I, I just wanted to pick up a couple of things here briefly, so just stay with me. There's a higher order coming now, and as John prepares the people, Jesus begins to belabor it. And he takes the Sermon on the Mount and, 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 uh, and, and certain aspects of it. And I'm just going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You're more than welcome to say amen to anything. It actually helps the atmosphere. It helps the preacher. And it pleases the Holy Spirit all in one. And you actually feel like you're part of the service. That's wonderful. Matthew, 38, Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard, again, Jesus saying, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you. Now, he's not doing away with that part because the Bible says in Romans, vengeance belongs to me, saith the Lord. He said, 
Bless your enemy. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. Now, it doesn't say to put coals of fire on their head. But it says you bless them. You let the Lord take care of the Lord's part. Sometimes we try to do too much of the Lord's work for Him. Our, our business is to keep a right attitude. To keep a forgiving spirit. To, to do what Jesus said, He'll take care of the rest. So you have heard that it hath been said these things. But I say unto you, that you resist not evil. That whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now we could stop there and say, how often have we done that lately? I just had something come up and I, I felt I needed to write something back. And I felt the Lord directed me and I did it. And I was going to write some more. And then there was something that checked me and said, that's enough. You don't need to, you don't need to do more. And he says, I'll take care of the rest. We want to have wisdom how to apply the word of God. So, so here Jesus is, is giving a higher level. He said, verse 40, And if any man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him take thy cloak also. Now we're not pushovers. But there's a principle here about our attitude and about our approach. The Lord is on my right hand. The Lord is my defense. The Lord is my rock and my shield. It's my business to keep a right attitude. Yes, I need to stand for right, but I also need to have a forgiving spirit. If you, one of the revelations, and I don't have time to fully get into this tonight, but is in the, in the fifth seal, when there were souls under the altar crying out, How long, O Lord, until you avenge us? And Brother Bram says those were Jews because of their attitude. Their attitude was vengeance. They had not come under the new covenant yet. They had not come under forgiveness yet. So he picked up, the, up on that. That ought to tell us something about what covenant we are under. We're not under that covenant anymore. But with this covenant, we've also got something to uh, take account and be responsible for. There's a higher order here. So when we come to the Lord, we have burdens, we have troubles, we have weights. Sin besets us. We come before the Lord, we repent, and it's amazing how when you repent under the blood of Jesus, how he can wipe away from our memory, almost not even our memory truly, but how he can wipe away the burden and the weight. Just listening yesterday, we were just talking about the sea of forgetfulness. Now just think, in God's conscience, your sin, once it's under the blood, does not exist anymore. Oh, how grateful I am for that. We might have human memory, but as far as God's concerned, and here we're repenting, 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 and God says, what are you talking about? I can't even see it. I can't even hear it. I don't even know. I don't remember it. The sea of forgetfulness. It's in the Bible. <laughs> now, it's amazing though, we can have that. And how we forget. How that cleansing fountain so cleanses us. 
and somebody has an ought against us, and we have trouble forgiving. So now, we also have a responsibility. And so the, now, let's just think about it this way. First of all, repentance comes from us. Sorrow, sin, forgiveness comes from God. So you, you, can't, you can't exercise forgiveness. For you. That comes from God, the sign of a good conscience. That becomes by actually having a communion and a relationship with God. But now when we have, the Bible says offenses must come, and they will come, our responsibility is not to let, let unforgiveness or to let, let things that are wrong or attitudes or I- things that exist. It's not to let them fester or linger, but it's our responsibility to make them right. Now, now the Bible, it was, it's amazing to me, and it, this was made real to me while I was gone just, just reflecting on this scripture. And, and it says, take heed to yourself if your brother trespass against thee. It didn't say forgive him. It says rebuke him. Yeah. Do you want me to read that again? Luke chapter 17, verse 3. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to qualify that in a moment here. Rebuke him, and if he repent, if he repent, forgive him. We don't wash over sin. There needs to be repentance. We, this is the church of God. We want to keep the church clean. We don't want attitudes. We, we, we don't want situations to creep in and affect our, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And a resenting spirit, an unforgiving spirit can hold back the moving of God. We want God to have full, full autonomy, full liberty. It's our duty to keep our attitudes, our hearts clean. And we can all be sanctimonious and pious when we come to church, but we can hold things at home. We can hold things on the job. We can hold things between one another. And we come here and pretend it's all right. It doesn't work. Friends, God's putting his finger on things. Brother Ed, you're preaching down. No, I'm preaching to myself. It's all coming back on me too. So it says, rebuke him. If you repent, forgive him. Okay, so, so there's a, when you rebuke, you've got, to, you've got to do it a certain way. Because if you, can be re, if you can rebuke someone, you've also got to recognize, I can be rebuked. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. No one's above it. So how you rebuke someone, how you act towards someone, you might just come out, that's the way you'll get treated. Because God watches everything. Quickly, Galatians chapter 4. Sorry, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Oh. Oh. Okay, <laughs> so it's not just blasting someone, but I, I, I view it this way. If I'm wrong, I want to be corrected. 
I don't want to be hammered into the ground. I don't want to be so discouraged. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger or to, to discouragement. In other words, there's a way we exercise these things. There's a way we do these things. And, and how do we know that? Because there's a Holy Ghost that lives in us that's doing these things. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And when you do it, if you're despising your brother, then there's something wrong with the way you did it. If you're not loving your brother, if you're not loving your child when you're disciplining, there's something wrong. Bear ye one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. For when a, if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. So there's much more I could have read out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard, but I say unto you. And Jesus would tell many other things in there, but the, the end of, of the scripture he says, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven be perfect. He would say, you have heard it been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. Now I'll just tell you right now, in the flesh, this is impossible. You have to be praying, Lord, keep me in a right frame of mind. Keep me in a right attitude. Keep me in a place where, Lord, I can be Christ to the brother who doesn't love me. You know what people would say about Brother Branham? And this is a man who walked close with God. I'm not lifting up the man, Brother Branham, but I'm lifting up what God did in the man. And what he did in the man was of such a temper that would have killed someone. His genetics was all wrong. And, 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 and they said after a time, you couldn't tell who was his friend or who was his enemy because he treated them all the same. Oh. Praise the Lord. It's possible. A sheath has been waved whereby we can also attain to. The Bible says, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, as a way, I just heard a testimony, and that's what sort of struck me with this. Someone who had been dealing with an unforgiving spirit for years. Somebody would not forgive somebody else. And finally, they went and said, I'll forgive them. And, and he says, this is what I'll say. And I'll forgive, and they wouldn't accept it. <laughs> and he says, but he, he knew he did the higher thing by consenting to a lower place. And God dealt with it so sovereignly, within a few days, the situation completely changed. And as a result of that being forgiven, there was an immediate change in another situation. Why? We hold back the blessings of God by not forgiving by not having a right attitude. And then they asked Jesus this question. He says, if my brother, uh, in, 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 in the scripture we read in, in, in Luke, he says, if he trespass against you seven times in a day, 
Seven times in a day you'll show, you shall forgive him. If he, if he asks for forgiveness. And he says, if he does it seven times 70, that's 490. I don't know how many have been asked for forgiveness 490 times. Maybe if you live together, that happens. <laughs> I wanted to share a few quotes from a message. Brother Adam spoke, and I looked at the few quotes, and then I thought, I'd like to play that little portion. And I thought, I'd like to play a little bigger portion. So what I want to turn to now is just take most of the rest of the service just listening to a message of Brother Branham. And the message is called a total deliverance. And I, I do this for two reasons. One um, is that I believe we need to be listening to the voice. And I, I believe that it's not just at home. And I would say in this age there's so many things that, that crowd that and displace that, I, I want to make it, I want to bring it to the forefront. I want to bring it to a point where our children are accustomed to us playing the message. I want to make it where as a church we're hearing the message. We're not just getting this and this idea. I'll tell you what, when things start shaking, the place you go back to is the absolute, which is the message. I'd say playing a tape is something that's disappearing. We listen to many, many other services. And they're good. And we thank God for them. But I say we also need to be attuned to the voice of God. We need to be listening to what God said by way of the messenger. Because that's the revelation we're receiving. So I think it's good for us to do this. How many would say, Amen, Brother Ed? Amen. So I want to just take this. I've asked Brother Mark to play a little bit. I'm skipping a part of it. But I, I want you to listen. And there's a part of this service where it's the preamble. And I like it because Brother Branham just is addressing his church. And when we listen to this, we're not just listening to words, but we're li listening to the way the words are administered. There's an anointing that goes with them. And there was, there was things he was addressing about how to make a church better. And I'll tell you what, it's simpler than we think if we have the right attitude. So we're going to play this. It's about 45 minutes. It'll take us right to where we need to be. Let's go ahead, Brother Mark. Greatly, and many things that he did. Amen. And we're happy for that. Happy we can come back to our own company reporting the goodness and the mercy of God. Amen. That's the way they did in the Bible. I was appreciating Brother Neville, or Brother Beeler's prayer, how he prayed for the people and, and asking for help and mercy. And if we'll just look along, you always, everything that goes on, you'll find there's something real genuine about it. And then when Brother Neville come and brought these deacons and so forth up here to the platform to, to pronounce the blessings of God upon the, the church offering. I heard him speaking in his prayer to God about those men. 
how that they prayed for one another. Amen. And that does me good to hear a pastor that can pray over his deacons and the deacons pray back for the pastor. When you see a church going into cooperation like that, well, something's fixing to move. Amen. That's the way the church has to be in order. And it gave me just an idea for a text. I was going to speak on the blessing at Kadesh and the refusal of the hearing of the report of the spies. But then I changed my mind to something else then. And now concerning healing, I got just a little testimony that I'd like to give. I was in hopes I'd see my boy Billy back there, but he's got it in his pocket. And Billy's getting to be better in the meetings than what he used to be. He was nervous, upset, and he'd kind of tell the people, oh, go sit down, go sit down. So I'll give you a prayer card. But I've noticed recently there's getting to be people in the meeting that he just feels so sorry for if he ain't got no prayer cards left, then he'll put them in a room so I can go pray for him. Amen. And such a thing happened in Chicago the last time. And I'd like to read that letter if, if he does come in. I never got to see him. He didn't know I was coming this morning over here and, uh, and want, want the letter. But I just thought of it when I thought of so much sickness. And here's the way it is. It's a certified letter that I was reading in the paper. I never was told that where the papers was criticizing old Roberts for praying for a woman who had diabetes and died. Now, now I, as an American, I, I like to listen to the laws and, and the man who's in authority, but I think that's not just. Amen. Wonder if they'd be willing to put in the paper all that old Robert had prayed for and got healed that the doctors turned down. I wonder Amen. if they'd swap it right back around once. See? They wouldn't do that. And then I think maybe that the devil has just muddled them up so that, and God permitting it, at the day of the judgment, they'll have to answer for that. Amen. But I know of thousands of people that Oral Roberts has prayed for that's been dying and they're well. Amen. So you see, they, they are unfair about it. They'll deliver their side, the critical side, but won't deliver the other side. Now the paper is supposed to keep the public uh, up to date on events that happens. Yeah. Then I think if human beings are concerned with one another, if somebody gets healed, really healed, every paper in the United States ought to pack Amen. the article of it. Amen. Yeah. But you can't harm to do it. No, you take something like that there, they'll snigger and laugh at it and turn it back. But if there's anything to criticize, it just goes to show that this nation is ready for judgment. Oh, amen. Right. And there's got to be judgment, and there's no way to escape it, and they're only heaping fire up on their heads and so forth, and such a, a disunified to the principles. A paper, its principles is to, to inform the public of anything, good or bad, that's happening. But they're away from their principles. And when they're keep away from their principles, then they, they will not serve their purpose well. And that's the same way it is with the church. 
When the church is away from its principles, it can never serve the saints well. We've got to stay together. We've got to be unified. We've got to be one heart and one accord. Or we'll never serve God or the people. Unless we're one heart and one accord to stand by the principles of the Bible. And the things that God has said, that's right. We must always stand by them. We may go through lots of troubles and trials. Just remember there's someone who knows, lights the way, makes it real. I do not know what's behind the curtain, but I know one thing. I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Every day trying to live for that great event that will take place someday when I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. That's the day I live for. Leaving those things behind which are, I want to press on. Just keep going. I want this tabernacle now that you're on your feet. I want you to keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Whatever you do, cling together. Be as clannish as you can be, but always with an arm out to reach and get someone else to bring them in. But in this faith that we're now preaching and earnestly contending for, don't you move one inch from it. Amen. For if you believe me to be his servant, this is the program of God. It'll never be in the majority. It'll always be in the minority. Always has and always will be. But remember, it is written, Fear not, little flock, it's your Father's goodwill to give to you the kingdom. Now, there is a group of officers of our church, deacons, trustees, Sunday school superintendent, pastors, as our church is set in order. And you, the people, elected these officers and this pastor. I'm just gentle overseer. See, it goes on right and to give advice and so forth. You are the one who elects your pastor. You elect your trustees. You elect your deacons. You elect every office there is in this church. You, the people. And it's your duty to stand by those men. See, for they'll make mistakes. They're mortal. They're just man. And they'll make mistakes. But if the president of the United States makes a mistake, do we throw him out as president? We forget about it and move on. That's the way we want to do our church. Now, I was listening to him pray a few minutes ago for those deacons. And to hear back there a testimony at the door from the trustees, how that with one accord you all are now stay that way. Now you members stand by these trustees, deacons, and pastor. And remember when you get this together, remember that it's the devil's business to see that that's broke up. Now, it always has been and it always will be. But you stand by your officers. And that was a talk that I was going to make. And then 
I have here also some, something for the bulletin board this morning about the meeting of the boards and their authority. And it'll be on the bulletin board, and I got a copy for Brother Roberson, who is the chairman of the, D, of the trustees, and then I got a copy for Brother Collins, I think, who acts as the chairman of the deacon board. And now all these offices are set according to the Scripture, and they must have the scriptural rules of what they must do. Therefore, the trustees has an office of their own, and the deacons has an office of their own. The Sunday school superintendent has an office of his own, and the pastor is the head of the flock. Now, each one of these has things in common, and I think that your meeting should not be together, but it should be as each office, because the deacons has nothing to say to the trustees unless they got some business to present to them. And vice versa, the trustees is over the finance and things of the building. They have nothing with the deacons. The deacons are the policemen of the church and the assistance to the pastor. And the trustees is the holding of all the property. The trustees has nothing to do with the spiritual end of it. And the deacon has nothing to do with the financial end of it. Therefore, it must be, and the Sunday school superintendent is over his Sunday school. So I've got it all wrote, typed out to be on the bulletin board, and then we are also going to get in a frame the doctrine that the church stands for and have it framed in here in the church. Amen. What we stand for, the, the principles, the doctrine of the church. Now, to be a church, we've got to have a doctrine. We don't draw down any stakes and say, we just go this far. We go out just as far with fellowship with everybody that God will let us go in his scriptures with the people. Now, stick together, be of one accord, one heart, and move on for God. That's the way God wants us to do. Now, let us pray and then open the word. Oh, precious Lord, we are now about to approach the divine word are the reading of this word may your holy spirit interpret to us that which we have need of and let us speak lord and act and live knowing that we are all your children by grace as you have called us may there be a fellowship in this church seeing that we're just about to emerge into some great move we feel of bringing up other ministers to go out into the fields of where if you shall send me into the different parts of the world there to establish the faith and to have a minister ready and willing and trained to take over amen and may the faith that was once delivered to the saints that we are gallantly standing for become a circle around the world. Amen. Grant it, Lord. And may this little weed pile as it was one day when we dedicated it to you, may there be a church rise up here, Lord, Amen. that out of it shall go ministers and advances and teachers and missionaries to all parts Amen. of the world. We would ask this morning a special blessing for our brothers and sisters Stricker, who's yeah. suffering now. But we know that we're all put to these tests. Amen. 
Every son that cometh to God must be chastened, tried, and if we give up easy and turn back, then we are illegitimate children and not the children of God. Give brother and sister stricker strength and power to stick to their post of duty. If they have to beg what food they eat, let thy hand of blessing be upon them. For we know not, but it might be through that very effort that you'd show the native of Africa what a real Christian is. Grant it, Lord. Now let it all be done according to thy will. Bless this pastor, Brother Neville. We pray, Lord, that you'll make him our shepherd of the flock as you have in past. And we would not forget his lovely little wife who is very sick. The enemy would like to leave Brother Neville that group of children with no mother. But we stand in place by faith the blood of Jesus Christ between that enemy and our sister. May your spirit, Lord, be great upon her, knowing that all women are ordained to walk down through this valley of darkness of this age. We pray that you'll be with her. Bless those little children. She'll be nervous now and fretful, but may the Holy Ghost be at the door of mercy at all times for that family. Bless our trustee board. Our brother Wood and our brother Egan, brother Roberson, and all of the others, Lord Deacons, trustees, and all that's associated in the church, we pray, Lord, that you'll let them serve their term with holiness and and righteousness. Bless those, Lord, who have served in the times past. And we pray that you'll continue to be with all of us, that we will be known as a church of unity and spirit and love of the Lord. We pray now that you'll divide to us the word as we have need, as we read out of thy written word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And in praying, I was thinking as we were blessing or asking blessings for our modern, our new board of trustees and so forth, I was thinking of our brother Fleeman and brother Dietzman and them sitting here who has served well on before. We want to be thankful to God for their loyal service. May the Lord ever be with them to bless them and to help them. I want to read... Before, just remember now the bulletin board and so forth and the coming meetings. And we're happy to have with us this morning. Well, uh, I might say it like this a man who has been very precious to me in times past and precious now, a good brother, Fred Sotman, from and his wife from Saskatchewan, Canada, who is here to sojourn with us. In our nation, a sojourner, but in our fellowship, a beloved brother, Brother Fred Sothman, sitting there. He manages the campaign for me when I was in Canada. And another precious brother who is also formerly a Canadian, which was a businessman and can prove to the world 
that you can't outgive God. He and his buddy formed a foundation for finances of building a place or for a foreign mission, a foundation. They called me to Oakland for a meeting and said they had the money they'd sponsor it all in their foundation. Brother Fred and I tried that for some money that Brother Fred had that I would not take as an individual. So then we decided we would give it to the Canadian people and not even take up an offering. But it didn't go so good. The meetings were fine. But because we didn't take up an offering, I don't care if the church is worth $100 billion, you still owe it to God to take up an offering. That's part of the worship. And you robbed that. As much as I've been against money and things like that, I find out when a man's wrong, you might as well admit you're wrong. Because Brother Fred and I see it pan out not so good. And Brother Borders, when I left Brother Fred and come down to you at Oakland, I said, don't you do it. You just pass the collection plate. Take up an offering. Whatever it is, put it back in your foundation for another meeting somewhere. And before the services closed, Brother Border and his friends come to me and said, as much as we put into the, the meeting is already took up. Amen. And then a few days ago, he made arrangements for a meeting in San Jose, California, where he had some, I guess, 60 or 70 churches in the valley of all different faiths, all cooperating. We had a wonderful meeting and returning back again in November. We're happy to have you with us, Brother Borders and Brother Fred sitting back there. And um, these men as strangers maybe to you all, but they've been precious brothers to me out in the fields contending earnestly for the faith that we're standing for. Amen. God bless you, brother. We're glad to have you this morning in the little old tabernacle here. It's not much to look upon, but there's something here that we know that God lives here, you see. Amen. So we're happy for that. And these other precious brethren, if I had time to mention, that's with us today. Now, I am anticipating and praying that in the next few days, the Lord willing, I want to go feeling led. I haven't made the announcement. The next meeting to Ohio to be with Brother Sullivan on the campgrounds. Within a, sh a short time, it's only about 100 miles up there, I guess, Gene, something like that. It'd be a fine trip. If you haven't planned your vacation, if the Lord continues to lead us. Very fine man, and a, we appreciate Brother Sullivan gradium. Just a, he's a mayor of the city, uh, and was just ex-mayor, and just an old-fashioned Kentuckian. That's all I can say about him. When I met him the other day, and we was both raised down there in the mountains of Kentucky, he said to me, have you still got your acidity around your neck, Billy? <laughs> you know how, how uh, Kentucky he is. Now, let's turn in. No disregards to my Kentucky brethren here. My brother uh, Jeffries and so forth. I'm a Kentuckian too, you know. I'll tell you one thing we are. We are not Kentuckians, or neither are we Americans. We are pilgrims and strangers. We're Amen. seeking a city to come. Praise now, for a reading, let's read out of the book of Exodus for a few minutes. I wish to read from the 23rd chapter and the 20th verse to the 23rd inclusive. Now, I want to take a text this morning from like this, uh, of this, rather, a uh, total deliverance. 
And I won't be long speaking. Now, while I was waiting for you to turn to your book and chapter, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee to the place which I have prepared. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. I'm sure that the congregation knows who this angel was. My name is in him. And if thou wilt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy unto thy enemies and an adversary unto thy adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites, the Hatites, Persianites, Canaanites, Havites, and Jupanites, and I will cut them off. May the Lord bless his word as we Amen. speak now for a few minutes if you pray. I was thinking on this subject of a total deliverance. The church has been in the in the minority. It always will be in members until Jesus comes. But it's living under its God-given privileges. If we only knew this is the church of the living God, not the Branham Tabernacle, but the Branham Tabernacle is just part of it. There's other such tabernacles through the country. Brother Snelling tonight is having a baptismal service. I forgot Brother Curtis told me to announce that or told me yesterday is having it. He's having a baptismal service and if anyone here has never been baptized, uh, yet uh, Brother Snelling would be glad to do that tonight. That's the hole in his tabernacle at Utica. And uh, Brother Junior Jackson in New Albany. And there's many such churches throughout the country. But we're all living, seem like, on the defeated side, more or less. I heard Brother Neville announce this morning back there that it kind of come to my mind that the people seemingly are getting away from deliverance. It seems to be something that the people seen it, so they just push it out to one side. Oh, well, God can do it. But that's not the attitude. Now, Moses, when he was called by God, he was a total, complete prophet. Amen. When God sends a man to do anything, he completely equips him with everything that he has need of. If God calls a man to be a preacher... He put something in him to preach with. If he calls him to be a teacher, he put something in him to teach with. If he calls for him to be a prophet, he put something in him to see visions and to be a prophet. God always completely equips his man. And that's just what he'd done when he sent Moses into Egypt. He raised him up in a certain 
away. And he schooled him in a certain way. And he molded him and made him and fashioned him. After he had promised Abraham hundreds of years before that he would deliver the people, then he, he had in mind that he would make Moses just the way Moses was made. Moses was a complete prophet. And then being a complete prophet, then just like you, if you are a Christian... God don't make any halfway Christians. God makes complete Christians. God don't make halfway preachers. But the preacher can be halfway. And God makes his children Christians, but sometimes they're halfway Christians. But it's not God's intention for them to be that way. It's their own ways got mixed up with the plan of God for their life. And that's what makes them the way they are. God don't want them to be halfway Christians or halfway preachers. Compromising on either side. or He wants them to completely stand in the breach. Now, Moses... God had made him a complete prophet for a complete deliverance. And Moses was completely surrendered into the hands of God. That's the reason it made him what he was. He was so complete in God till God could trust him. This morning, as Christians, if we have yielded our own will and yielded ourselves so completely to God, to God can trust us. The place that He has put us. I wonder this morning of myself if I could be so yielded to God, to God could trust me could trust Brother Neville, could trust our trustee board, our deacon board, our our members of our church. We all have a place and we got a duty. The minister's got a place of duty to stand and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ without compromising. If he's called to be a preacher. He wouldn't spare one thing for one person if he's called to be a preacher. And the member of the church, he's called to be a member of this certain group that he would not compromise. If the church believes that we should not gamble, then that member should never touch a deck of cards. We don't believe in drinking. He should turn his head completely from drinking. If we do not believe in gambling or smoking, the member of this church should never touch such a thing. God gives complete deliverance. When we will do it, if we'll completely surrender ourselves 
the hope of glory. Amen. He can reflect himself from us as we get ourselves out of the way. Then our thoughts are his thoughts. Could you imagine Christ smoking a cigar? Could you imagine Christ drinking or playing cards? Then if your spirit is part of his spirit, he wants it to be upon your confession. But you permit the devil to come in and take over it. And all the time in your heart, way down deep, you know you're wrong when you do those things. And when one member would talk against the other member, you know that's wrong. You're commanded to pray for one another. Not to talk against one another. But to love one another. And if someone is down, let's pick him up. Help him. Now, that makes us a, a, a unified group of believers. Now, when we don't obey that, then we don't obey God and we displease God. And therefore, our church, our people cannot prosper. The church cannot go on. It's because we're disunified together. As Jesus said, a little leaven leavens the lump. Now, if the uh, uh, church board... Uh, like the, the deacons would come and say that we were to uh, uh, thinking we should build a new tabernacle. If that is the vote of the deacons and the trustees are consulted and they don't have the money to do it, then they have a building program like we have going on now. And then it's tucked over the general audience as we should be, all the church being sovereign, then if the church votes for the new tabernacle, then we all should cooperate together in building that new tabernacle. Amen. Frankly, myself, when they spoke of new tabernacle to me, I was against the thought. That's right. I said, we don't need exactly new tabernacle. I'll probably be leaving here pretty soon as the Lord, if it, what he showed me comes to pass. What do we need with the new tabernacle? We haven't got the money. Then I come down and felt the feeling of the church. That the church in the majority seemed to want it. Then what did I do? I sacrificed my own thoughts and told in with the church. Amen. Sure. Let's do it. Yep. That's the way we cast lots. That's the way it was in the Bible time. The way the church voted. The, the sovereignty, the groups of the people, they come together in unity, their strength. So therefore, I said, certainly, if that's the way the church wants, if that's what God is wanting, he's got more of authority to vote among a whole group of people than he has to me because I have no vision to say that it shouldn't be. So we throw in with the church and move with the church. Amen. I'm behind it to do all that I can to help out the church. That should be the motive of every Christian and every person in the church is for uh, to unify ourselves and stick together. Whatever the church votes for, that's what we should stand for. Then say, for instance, uh, 
uh, the uh, want to change something in the church. Well, then if the trustees want to do the somebody else wants to do the deacons, they want to change something that comes before the church. The church then together. And if our if our idea here seems to be a little different from what the whole church says, let's sacrifice that idea. Because that's the only way we can stand united. And if this church will just go on the way you're going now and be united together, God will, it's unlimited what he'll do. Amen. If we'll stick together, we must stick together. That's how we want to be so complete with one another and then so complete in the hands of God. Then we've got to have a man that we believe that preaches the word of God. If the man don't do it, then get somebody who does do it. That's the way we must stand. If the trustee board won't stand for what's right, then it's your business to elect somebody who will stand for what's right. And then when you do it, stay by it. It's up to you. Stand by it. And all together we're standing for one thing. That's God. Amen. If a member makes a mistake, don't turn him down. Help him. Raise him up. Get together. Have a hearing with one another. That's what the scripture said. When we make a mistake, let's go before God. Before we can go before God, we got to go before the person we hurt. I just had to do that. And I know it. I did wrong. I lied. Caused my wife to lie. I believe I've told you about it here at the church. There's a few days, uh, not long ago, it's been about six weeks ago, the attorneys had me so tore up over this investigation that I hardly knew where I was at. I just went home from the office to eat dinner, and the private phone number rang. And Meanie went to answer the phone. She put her hand over and said, it's them attorneys again. I said, I couldn't stand another evening. My head feels like it's drawing off. I'm losing my mind. Just pulling me this way and that way and this way. I said, I can't stand it. And I jumped up and I said, tell them I'm not in here. And run around behind the house. When I come back, Meanie's very conscientious of those things. She met me at the door half crying. She said, Bill, was that the right thing to do? You know how you are. I know how I am. I said, sure, I wasn't in here right then. I knew God had condemned me for it. I said, I wasn't in here right then. said, but you was in here when he made the call. That afternoon, I went to pray for a sick baby. And before I left the house... The phone rang again, and little Joseph ran over and took hold of the phone and said, Daddy, you want me to tell him you're not here? You see how sin crops? What a family that would finally be! First John, the fifth chapter and the 21st verse said, If our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence in God. But if our hearts condemn us, how can we have confidence in God? We know as long as we got sin that's not confessed, He'll never hear us. That's strong, but it's 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 the church needs these things. Then I started to pray for this baby, and when I started to lay my hands on it, the Lord rebuked me and said, you told a 
lie. You ain't fit to pray for that baby. I turned away from the man. I said, sir, you just wait here. I've got something to make right. I called up the attorney and went down to the office. Called him in. I said, look, sir, I told a lie. I had my wife to lie. She said I wasn't in there, and I ran out behind the house, and I confessed it and told him about it. Walked up and put his hands on my shoulder. He said, Brother Graham, I've always had confidence in you, but I've got more than ever now. Yeah, a man, he said, is willing to make right his wrongs. And I told him, I said, I started to pray for a baby. And the Lord would just condemn me in my heart because I know I'd done wrong. Then the next day, wife said, where are you going? I said, to my cave. And I went up to my cave up above Charleston, where I've been going for years. And I got in there and I prayed all that day. Oh, God, don't never let me do a thing like that again. You forgive me, Lord. For when I start to put my hands on the sick people to pray, then it's condemned. Amen. Long about 3 o'clock in the evening, I come out and there's a big rock lays out there. And I got on that rock and was looking up towards the east with my hands up, praising the Lord. And it's just so quiet in there. And I said, Lord, if you'll just, one time you passed by Moses. And he said it was the one you had him in the cleft of the rock. And it looked like the back part of a man. I said, could you do it again, Lord? Let me know I'm forgiven. And I said, if you'll help me and come on my mind. I said, Lord, I, I'm not very strong mentally. Because I have no education. I said, and I, I'm trying to serve you. You know my heart. And I didn't ought to have done that. I didn't mean to do that. My head just felt like it was coming off. I was so nervous. And I'd done it in a catch of a moment when Satan caught me. I said, if you forgive me, let me see you, the Lord. God being my judge, just right over to my side. A little place of bushes begin to whirl like a wind. They come right along inside the cave where I was at and went down through the woods. Oh, brother, a peace that passes all understanding swept over me. And I cried, I wept, I shouted. I know my sins were forgiven me. See, I was disunified with God. I couldn't have deliverance for the baby. And the very next day, there's a man from Chicago who is a great man, a Catholic, just converted the bowels in his heart was swelled out like an inflated inner tube. And they'd been trying to cut him out for a long time. was going to, and he wouldn't let them. Finally, he found an interview. Them interviews, we stay right with it until we find out what's wrong. And the man had no more come in. Hey. So the Holy Spirit went back down through his life and called out something he'd done when he was an altar boy. In the Catholic Church, he said, that's the truth, that's the honest truth. Said, do you mean that was against me? I said, that's the only shadow that I can see in your life. Went back up and told the doctor, said, all right, get things together now. We'll have the operation. The doctor said, we'll check that old ticker again. And when he looked into it, he said, you don't need the operation. See, if our hearts condemn us, we want complete deliverance. We don't want to be halfway church. We want to be a real church are no church at all. We want to be real Christians are no Christians at all. We want total deliverance from our habits, from our sins, from our evil thinking, from our evil doing, from our negligence. Whatever we've done, we want total deliverance. 
so that when people come into this church to be prayed for, there will be just this little group, maybe not over a hundred or two sitting here, but they'll be completely in the hands of God. And when we pray, then God will hear from heaven. God wants somebody that he can hold in his hands. Somebody that he can say, I got confidence in. I can send this my sick servant to the Branham Tabernacle of Jeffersonville and that group of people are one accord. Something will happen. Well, look what he does for us in the condition we're in. What would he do if we were one heart and one accord? The only way we can do that is unify our hearts together with brotherly love. Obey the offices of the church and the pastor and the pastor obey God. Then God works through the pastor, through the board, down into the church, and all together are one unit to the kingdom of God. Then God will hear when we have a unified group. Let nothing bother you. Don't be dismayed in anything. Now, that's the kind of a person that God ordained to take the lamb. Moses was complete. He was a man that wouldn't compromise. If there were stews and fusses and so forth, he wouldn't compromise. That's what God wants us now. Pharaoh wanted to agree, said Moses. They say amen. Amen. I don't think this is on. Musicians wanted to play, but uh, you're welcome to go and play the rest at home. And uh, I believe that's for us today. The Holy Spirit speaking to us. You know, if we can completely surrender ourselves, if we completely, as Paul said, die out to ourselves our thinking, our ways, our ideas, and we have a common cause, that's the cause of Christ. I think we all could lay something down. We all could sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The more you pour in, the more you'll see come out. Let's stand together. Let's sing completely surrendered, completely surrendered. Completely surrender, Lord, I'll ever be each day.
want you to think now, don't just leave the service. I heard that. Now just think about what the Lord spoke to you. And maybe when something was said, it went to an area of your life, and you said, there's something. I, I marveled. I, I, I sought this quote out last week, and I had this message. I thought I'd like to play it sometime. But I, I thought of this. A, a man had a, I think, well, how does God see me? And he says, is there anything between me and the Lord? And he comes because there was a gift at that time. And he goes all the way back, not even when he was a believer, but something he did when he was an altar boy in the Catholic Church. And it displeased God. And I say, oh God, I, I don't want to carry anything. I don't want to hold anything. I don't, I don't want anything I did today, last week, or that I've washed away. But if God still sees it, I want forgiveness. <clears throat> I want to be delivered. And I want to see us prosper. I want to see our young people prosper. Brother Adam had a vision. Let this tabernacle be a place where others can come in and be healed. Let ministers go forth from here. Let the Word go forth from here. Let there be deliverance in here. But it starts when we surrender. I, I don't think any of us can say, I've gone as far as I'm going to go. No, I, I think we can all go a little further. Let's sing it again. Make it real. Make it personal. Completely Oh uh -huh. 